Thank you, Lutz. Morning, church. It is good to be with you. I, I so wanted my wife to do the Mother's Day prayer because, uh, because it's just so much richer when she does it, and she's just so much nicer than me. But uh, I, I did a wedding yesterday. It was one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever done. And, uh, and it, it was the, the father of the bride is such a generous person that there was just generosity flowing both ways. You could just feel this love pulsating out and in. And uh, as I was doing this wedding, I, I realized there were a whole lot of non-Christian guys who I've been trying to reach for years, like shockers. Um, and, uh, and anyway, we're doing this wedding. And you know one of those weddings where, where there's a lot of crying, like a lot, a lot. Happy crying, but uh, happy sad. So, so anyway, I'm doing this wedding, and I realize, man, there are so many shockers here. We, God is doing something. Let's milk it. So I, I put the groom on the one side. I put the bride on the other side, and I said to them, I said, I want you to understand Christianity. The way the Father looks at us is he looks at the love in his eyes, Jesus' eyes, at the bride. Now he starts crying, and she starts crying. Then people left, right, and center start crying. And I go, this is how God looks at you. He doesn't look at you and all your sin. He looks at the sun to see you. And there are people just all over the show start crying as I start to see how God works. And the reason I tell you that is because when you sow generously into people's lives, and when you pray for non-Christians, because I've been praying for a lot of those Muppets for a long time, when you sow and you pray, God, it might take ages, but God just has these moments, and just breakthrough happens. It was beautiful. Anyway, that has got nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. It has nothing to do with Mother's Day. Lots of you were late, but I'm still going to bless you. Won't the moms stand up again? If, uh, if you weren't here in the service, please stand. And if you were, my mom's in the front. So this better be a powerful prayer. Lord, I thank you. For the women who have sacrificed and reflected your love and ex expressed your grace and have raised and held together. Some of them have been moms and dads. And I thank you for them and I pray today you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a hand as they sit down. So before I get into it, my... The reason I wanted my wife to do is she adds so much grace. But last year, the uh, Mother's Day was on the 9th of May, which is my boy's birthday. And so my boy comes through early, early in the morning, and he says, Mom, it's my birthday. And she's sleeping because Livy's woken up about four times. And she goes, and it's Mother's Day. Leave me alone. I'm going to sleep. It was just beautiful. So I wish I could have her here today. Anyway, I, <laughs> I want to carry on this series. We've been preaching about... This series called, What on Earth is God Doing? Or What is God Doing on Earth? And, and we said, if, you, if you've missed a few weeks, we said in week one that when Jesus came to earth, he came as a king to establish his kingdom. Lots of people think, why did Jesus come to earth? To save sinners, to come and rescue us? Yeah, but it was part of a bigger plan. He was a king coming to establish his kingdom. In week two, last week, Sia spoke about how that kingdom is here and in many ways, not yet. There's a mystery to it. So we see healings. We pray for people. I saw a healing this morning. We see healings again and again, but not all are healed. When Christ comes back, 
there will be no sickness. That's kingdom fully here. Now we see in part. But when Christ comes back, we will see crystal clearly. Now we see many, many breakthroughs. But we see so much pain. But when Christ comes back, there will be a fullness of it. Now today, I want to take from both those concepts, and I want to, I want to preach to you about the kingdom that is built in wisdom. The, the foundation for the kingdom is wisdom. And uh, we live in a world that needs some wisdom. I mean, I was just thinking about this. I, I thought, like, just there, if there is something lacking in the world, wisdom would be, would be up there. I mean, we can go through, like, presidents. We'll just start with America. Like, when your options are Donald Trump or Biden, like, <laughs> but I, was, I was thinking about politics in this country. Do you remember, do you remember when we, we brought in that train for Transnet? It was going to solve all our problems. Massive engine, brought it in for, from Russia. Gotcha. We so amped for them to launch. It's just that their wheels were a little bit too big for our train tracks. Do you remember that? We would just make beautiful wisdom issues. Like, uh, or do you remember in the Eastern Cape, they, they were building that stadium, multi-million stadium. Anyway, they landed up with a pavilion and some lines. Like a wisdom, we just, there is just a, a big lack. But it's not just in politicians. I mean, I, I love what Trevor Noah says. He says, he says soon he's not going to have a job when he was in South Africa. He said, because everybody is going to, just go to press conferences because they can laugh as much there as they do at his comedy shows. But it's not just that. We lack wisdom ourselves. I mean, South Africa has the biggest credit card debt of any country in the world, which is really remarkable when you think how poor we are. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable lack of wisdom. We, we don't think in terms of our children's children. We think about the dopamine high we're going to get on our phone. We're thinking today, what am I going to do this weekend? Where am I going to move to next year? Like, we think immediacy, which just shows a lack of wisdom. We need wisdom. And we're living in a world where the, the Bible des describes it like this. The contractions are beginning. So I remember when I had my first child, my wife and I were literally putting in floorboards for a room. And uh, whilst we were putting in floorboards, she says to me, babe, my waters have broken, which is terrifying for, for a guy from Zimbabwe. It's like really, really scary. And so I said, what next? And, and then I have never heard my wife really shout, but she shouted at me. And she told me to get her bag and get her into the car and drive. And, and it was a forceful shout. And then what began to happen is contractions. And they start slowly. And then they get closer and closer together. And if you don't know that contractions are a good thing and they're needed for birth, they will become an incredibly alarming thing that will send you into panic. The Bible says we're in contractions. He says there'll be droughts and wars and there'll be challenges throughout the world and they'll come faster and faster. And if you don't know that you're in contractions, you won't be able to understand that contractions give birth to Christ coming back. You've got to understand and look at the world through the kingdom lens of wisdom if you want to survive it, if you want to live in peace and joy inside of it. And so what we see in the Bible is we see these little pictures in the Old Testament of what Christ will bring when he comes back. 
and an in-between. And there's this dude called Solomon, wisest man who's ever lived. And uh, not that dude. Um, okay, go to, there's a, a picture of a palace. It's coming. There. That was Solomon's temple, except that's in Brazil. Someone decided to copy it, which is quite remarkable. Now think, that was built thousands of years ago. Can you imagine how impressive that was? And those, that wall, that's white paint. But in the original temple, that was this white stone that you see when you go to Jerusalem. This temple was unbelievable. You know how Solomon built it? Wisdom. Solomon's entire life was one of wisdom. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs numbered 1,005, which is more than Justin Bieber. He understood every niche of creation from trees to animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon. Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. He made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. It says things like this. When, when his palace, what they would provide for a day for his palace was 11,000 tons of flour, 12,000, no, 5,000 tons of flour, 11,000 tons of maize, 30 heads of cattle, 100 sheep, and a whole bunch of venison. Just like a lot of food, huh? Why? Wisdom. He had established a kingdom in wisdom that provided security, financial freedom, joy, peace, ability to prosper in the world. And it's a picture. The wisdom is a picture of what we will have when Christ comes back. There will be him reigning in wisdom, and there will be freedom and life and joy. And in between, we can still access that wisdom. So today, what I want to talk to you about is accessing that wisdom. Now, when I speak about wisdom, what I am not speaking about is common sense. I'm not speaking about experience. In fact, experience can be your greatest hindrance to wisdom. Wisdom, yes, does come in gray hair. Um, I know. Uh, but, but wisdom is something supernatural that God gives you. Let me, let me give you a few examples because I want you to really want wisdom. I was, I was trying to work out how to motivate my little boy. And, um, and I tried everything. And he's creative and I'm not, so, so I didn't know how to. So eventually I got on my knees, I said, Jesus, please give me wisdom. And he put into my mind an idea to visualize his entire day for him. He didn't want to go to school. So I'm driving to school and, and I said to him, my boy, I want you to imagine with me. I said, imagine you arrive at school. And all your friends are there. And then I want you to imagine that you go into class and you're not distracted. And you hear everything the teacher says. And you'll be able to do your work so well. And in the break, the teachers are talking about how good you are today. And then you go and you hang out with your mates. And then after school, you go play cricket and you bowl a bouncer and you hit a certain kid in the head with a ball. And, and I'm just like visualizing the whole day. By the time it finished, I said, can you imagine that? kept asking him, close your eyes, just think about this. I said, do you want to go to school? I can't wait, Dad. That isn't Dad's wisdom. I'm too dull for that. That's the Holy Spirit putting something inside of my mind so that I can raise a kid who I don't know how to raise. That wisdom. Uh, 
the wisdom, one of my friends, he, he goes to Bethel in, in the States, and, and he said to me, he said, Ross, I was in Bethel, and I felt like God said, pray for a solution. He prayed for a solution for a Google problem. And then he wrote to Google when God kind of like downloaded in a dream how to solve their software problem. He wrote to Google and said, I've got, a, I've got a solution for you. And then Google called him, I think the MD called him, and, and said, please, can we have a meeting? He said, Ross, I went to the meeting. Here I am. I mean, the Oak's got dreadlocks, and like he just doesn't look the part. Anyway, he goes in, everybody's in suits, and he speaks to them, he downloads the wisdom God has given him to solve the problem. This is the wisdom I'm talking about. Because we're in a time of contractions. We're in a time of where things don't make sense. I'm, I'm, I need to build this until you really want it. You see, 10 years ago, if you wanted to run a good business, what you would do is you would put systems in, performance management systems, HR systems, you would put all kinds of, like, stock-taking systems, accounting systems. And if you put enough systems in place, what would happen is that the systems would force behaviors in the people that would make your business work. Remember those days? Anyone remember those days? And then contractions began. And there was an earthquake in Japan, and now we couldn't get chips for cars. And software problems started to happen. And then China started to close their harbors because of the pandemic, and then Ukraine had a war, and then floods, and then riots, and we just had one problem after another. You know what happens when that happens? Your systems don't work, which is why so many medium-sized companies that couldn't move fast enough died. And what you need in those spaces is algorithms. An algorithm is an equation that takes into account all these quick changes that you can't get your head around and solves them for you to give you an output. That's called artificial intelligence. In the kingdom, it's called wisdom. You need wisdom. So we're going to pray for wisdom. Okay? Let's stand. I want you to just put out your hands like this. Because you need it for every aspect of life. Why don't you just say this with me? Jesus, please give me wisdom. Amen. Now you can go. No, I'm joking. Okay, let's get into this text. Ephesians chapter 1. It says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power to us who believe. He prays that they'll have wisdom and then he says that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of the, your, your heart will be enlightened. I want to talk about, about how wisdom comes about. Because he says, I need your eyes on the inside to become open. Let me, let me just show you this dude. His name was, what was his name? He's a scientist. He had a name. We don't care what his name is. Handsome dude. Okay, he's got goggles on. What happened was this guy, I think his name's Cochlear, he 
straight after the First World War, he realized there were so many people with brain injuries who'd lost sight or they couldn't, they were getting headaches because they couldn't see things properly. So he decided to conduct an experiment where they, he made goggles. They actually looked like this. Next picture. They looked like that, which is kind of like Darth Vader. And, uh, and what these goggles did is they inverted what you could see. So they turned it around. And so up was down and down was up. And then what he did is he made his mate wear them, like not take them off, sleep with them, everything. Like he had to wear them the whole time. And, and so what his mate would do is he would look, and in the beginning, like he would pour a cup of tea, and his mate would go like this because he was trying to catch the tea upside down. And, and then he would get a stick, and, and he'd, he'd start fencing with his mate, and his mate was like he was hitting him in the legs, and his mate was trying to stop it up there because his eyes were teaching him that this was upside down. By day seven, his mate could start to walk. He was going a little bit in and out. By day 10, his mate was walking perfectly, could the, take the teacup. What had happened is his brain had reinverted and taught him how to reinterpret what he was seeing. When Paul says, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. It's talking about a reinterpretation with wisdom of what's happening around you. This is what you need to begin to happen. And the reason Paul is the guy to write this is because remember Paul was on his way to Damascus to kill a bunch of Christians. And on the way, he could see with his natural eyes, but he couldn't see. He was blind with his inner eyes. And God comes to him with a blinding light, and now he can't see with his natural eyes, but he can see with his inner eyes. And he starts to realize that it is more important that you can see with the eyes of your heart than you can see with the eyes out here. These just help you walk, but this helps you live by wisdom. And so he writes this because he knows if people don't start seeing from here, they're going to misinterpret because they only see from here. You need the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened because if they're not, if you don't have understanding based on truth, if you don't have it based on wisdom, you will keep making mistakes. See, understanding is the truth you stand under. And if that truth is not the truth, if it's a lie, everything will keep breaking. So I grew up, and I, I'll give you a couple of examples. I grew up, and I somehow believed, something happened to me, and I believed that in order for me to have fun, I had to fix things, then I could have fun. So I came up, or I heard the saying, and then it became like my motto. Work hard, fix things, play hard. And right the way through life, it was, if I can fix these relationships, then I can go and have a jaw. Then I became a pastor. If I can fix you lot, easy, then I can go kite surfing. Like everything in my mind was, if I can fix it, I can play. And one day, I felt like God said to me, why is it that you think you can fix people? Why do you need to fix them? It's not like I can actually fix anyone anyway. And I started to realize my whole life, my whole understanding, my whole truth that I had stood under was a lie. And it had affected my relationships, and it had 
broken the way I did life, and it had destroyed elements of my life because I'd lived under lie. If you live under an understanding that you are not created in the image of God, that you are not beautiful or strong, and your identity is messed up, if, you, if the truth you stand under is a lie, you will find yourself com- again and again and again doing the same stupid stuff that lands you in the same stupid problems, and you've done it all over again and again and again, and you're lonely, and you're empty, and you got that addiction that you just keep going back to. Why? Because your understanding, the, the truth you're standing under is a lie. Paul goes, I'm praying that wisdom gets inside and your ability to see is from a place of truth that sets you free. And then he goes on and he says, and here's how it works. He says, when your eyes are opened, then you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Um, on Friday, I had a spiritual war that I don't think I've had in years. I'm, uh, like, I am just a positive, optimistic person. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hard to get down. Like, I, I hurt lots, but I just bounce back up. I'm actually quite annoying. On Friday, I felt what depressed people feel. With people with chronic depression, I felt what they felt. I felt like I just had thought after thought after thought after thought of what's the point of your life? You're not making a difference. Everything's going to break. Your dreams are, are pipe dreams. Anyone ever have these kind of thoughts? <laughs> okay, only all of you. Okay. Now, I don't often have these thoughts. I, I really have these thoughts. But I had this barrage of these thoughts. Like I, I don't, I've never had this many of these thoughts before. And it just came at me and came at me and came at me. And I went, God, I need a tool to fight back. And he took me to the scripture. And I started to pray, Lord, let the eyes of my heart be enlightened so that I may know, one, the hope of your calling. The hope of your calling is what God wants you to do. The hope of my calling is birthed in visions and prophecies and dreams and things God's spoken to me about the impact that I'll make, about dreams, about sights all over the city, dreams about the power of the Holy Spirit working in our community and setting your light. And I started to remember and think about those things. You know what began to happen? All those depressing thoughts started to bounce off. You see, when the eyes of your heart get enlightened and you start to put yourself under a truth that's actually true, what begins to happen is you just, without any effort, you just bounce off the stuff that's killing you. And then it says, and the inheritance, the glorious inheritance that we have in the saints. Let me try to explain how that works. So I go to this wedding, and um, sort of after the wedding's done, this beautiful little girl comes up to me, and she says to me, she says, Ross, when I was in Standard 9, I started coming to Olive Tree, and I gave my life to Jesus at Olive Tree, and I I now live in London, but what happened to me in Olive Tree over those years changed my life forever, and I want to thank you so much. You know what that is? That's my inheritance in the saints, 
and you guys have an inheritance in the saints. That is my long term. One day when Christ comes back and all God's people are gathered around, I'll go, you and you and you and you, you're my inheritance. I got to do this for you out of my calling. I was blessed to be able to share the gospel with you, and now you're here. And people will come to us and go, thank you for loving me the way you did. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for giving me that word. Thank That's our inheritance. There's an inheritance for you. It's when heaven comes down, and it's today. So I'll explain the today one. I got this big piece of property, and the whole goal was like, Build something at the back, like split it in half and build two. And anyway, I, I, I started praying. Never mind the giant coming in. Uh, I, I started praying about it, and I felt like God said to me, you want to build a house there, build it. And, and so I said exactly what you would say. With what money? I felt like God said, it's in your heart to do. Do it. And within a couple of weeks... One of my friends phoned me up. He said, what are you doing with that piece of land? I said, I'm trying to do this. He said, you know what, you must just go for it. I'll invest in it. We'll get our money back somehow. See, there is an inheritance for you on earth, an inheritance for you in heaven. And when you do not know what the inheritance is on earth and the inheritance in heaven, what you do is you live from dopamine fix to dopamine fix. You live from what shall we do this weekend to what shall we do next weekend? Your, your life is not measured in God rewarding you. It's measured in circumstances rewarding you. And it is death to your soul. There's an inheritance in the saints that God has for you. And he wants your heart to be enlightened so that you understand the hope of your calling, the inheritance in the saints, and then the power for those who believe. Now, let me just boast about my wife for a moment. So my wife, in January, got tick bite fever. And then she got COVID. And then she got a flu bug. And then she got a stomach bug. And then two weeks ago, because we'd come out of sickness, we went to play soccer. And because I'm a little bit competitive, we kicked the ball at the same time. And I dislocated her knee. And she went over and she got concussed. I'm just confessing my sin to everybody so that you know... <laughs> The, the, there's no case of gender-based violence here, but the, that's what happened. <laughs> May she not be watching. Um, amidst that, I've watched her get kicked out of her school, the, the premises, find a, a temporary premises, build up her school, get promised another venue, and then it taken away, and then another venue, and it get taken away, and then another venue, and then it get taken away. She has gone on an emotional roller coaster that would put most people in hospital without their husbands doing it. And, uh, and my wife has lived like there's Kevlar around her. Now, I know it's from people praying, but it's because of this glorious, incomparable power that is living inside of her. That, that is what has carried her because it is not humanly possible to go through all she's gone through and have a smile on your face. Friends, God wants you to have wisdom so that you can experience an understanding of his calling for your life, an understanding of how he wants to reward you, 
and an experience of his power. Now, you need wisdom. And so we're going to close this service by praying for wisdom. Now, I know some of you slept through most of the service. But when you wake up now, do not ask God for some lame wisdom that doesn't make a difference in the world. If God puts wisdom into your heart, if he opens the eyes of your heart, it's so that you can make a blooming difference. And he wants to give it to you because his children are supposed to shine. So can I ask you to stand? Bonesy's going to come up here. He's probably going to preach and sing. Some of you are facing problems that are not solvable with human skills. You need wisdom. Some of you are sitting and your, your truth is a lie. And you need wisdom. And Jesus says, just ask me for wisdom. Humble yourself now. Just go, I'm a bit dwarf. I need wisdom. I'm not smart enough for this. I need wisdom. I don't have an algorithm. I need wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Just ask. Like, cry out for wisdom. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that wisdom comes on your beautiful people. I pray for power. Cubsy, I pray that wisdom comes into your mind and it opens up your body to receive the power of God that will bring healing to every soul in your being. If you, I just have a sense. I'm, I'm going to go follow the promptings. If you've been sick a lot, you and me, if you're one of those, stick up your hand. I want to pray. We survived it. We're alive. Let's stand in faith together. God, I pray for your immeasurably great power to come on these bodies. Immeasurably great power. Just set them free. God, a new day. We declare a new day of that body. A new day. A new day of life flowing. Your measurably great power. Enlighten their hearts so that they can believe the truth and receive your power. Look at me. There's been a sense of dust over you. And I feel like God's saying, I'm going to sweep it away with my wind. I'm going to make you shine, Mom. You're going to shine. Something in you has allowed the dust to get inside of your heart. And I thank you, God, that you're going to enlighten that heart and you're going to bring truth into that heart and she'll shine again, Jesus. Now you ask. Just ask God for something special. Lord, may your kingdom come.
So Jesus, I pray that the Father of glory may give your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they will know the hope of their calling, what you want to do, want them to do for you, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what you will give to them, and your incomparably great power for us who believe, what you will put in them. I pray, Jesus, that you will release your wisdom now in Jesus' name. And people will go home and they will realize you have touched them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May you be blessed. Have a phenomenal Sunday.